suppose we'll move on to the football action then. Um, so I suppose we'll start by looking at the Kerry and Mayo match. Um, so a, a huge, huge result there from a, a Mayo perspective. It was Kerry 17 points, Mayo 119. Massive, massive result there for Mayo. Oh, McLaughlin obviously getting himself a goal. Uh, brilliant displays from the likes of, of Ryan O'Donoghue, Jordan Flynn, James Carr, excellent as well. And Kerry beaten at home in Killarney for the first time in the championship since 1995. And just the second time that Mayo have beaten Kerry in the championship since 1996. So what a, what a result and, and what a day for the men in green and red. Yeah, and uh, what it, well, I was actually at the game. So uh, I, I actually watched history in uh, Fitzgerald Stadium. The first Kerry team to be beaten at home in the championship since 1995. And I was loving it. I really was. Uh, brilliant, brilliant uh, win for uh, Mayo yesterday. I actually thought it'd be a full house at uh, Fitzgerald Stadium. Like a, a strange kind of an atmosphere. There was a load of Kerry support, obviously, but Kerry just didn't have anything to show about, really. But Mayo, like, there wasn't much Mayo fans. I, I thought there'd be more, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, what a win. What a win for Mayo. I thought they were superb. Like the, the midfield, the midfield particularly, uh, Dermot O'Connor, Matty Varane were brilliant at the high fielding. They were brilliant to driving up the field. Aiden O'Shea, brilliant to the forward line. Ryan O'Donoghue scoring four points in the first half, which was absolutely incredible. Tally and uh, resulted actually in Jason Foley being, uh, or sorry, um, Dylan Casey being brought off in, at half time. And Kerry just didn't recover really. Um, and when you look at the game overall, Mayo should have had about five goals. They really should have. They should have had two in the first 10 minutes, really. Like Dermot O'Connor hitting one straight at um, Shane Ryan. Then it was James Carr's turn. James Carr had another chance in the first half. They eventually brought it up with um, Owen McLaughlin. And I suppose there's a lesson for forwards in this as well, to drill the ball low rather than at goalkeeper height. Like the Mayo players were always drilling it. Uh, Shane. It was a great season by Shane Ryan, no doubt about it. But they were always at the goalkeeper's height, very, very comfortable. But Owen McLaughlin comes on, speeds onto the ball, back in the net, bottom corner, what a finish. And then um, Mayo won the game in the end. And then... Um, yeah, brilliant victory for me. Honestly, I thought Tommy Conroy would get the goal since coming on, but it wasn't one McLaughlin. Plenty of surprise there, but brilliant, brilliant win for Mayo. And it is a it's a big victory for morale boosting as well. Because you think about um the you know the criticism that um was directed at Mayo by some forms of the media after the Ross Common game, it was pretty grim. And for Mayo to bounce back and get a win in Killarney, which was an outstanding achievement, brilliant win for uh, for them. But as for Kerry. The over-reliance of David Clifford, I'm sorry to say it, Aaron, from a Kerry point of view. Um, eight points yesterday. He got, um, I think, nearly 50% of his, um, the scores Kerry got from play were from David Clifford himself. So they're way too reliant on him and they need other players to step up to their place. But to be fair, Killian Spillane wasn't on the bench yesterday. I'm not sure why. Was he injured? or, or I don't know what was the story there. But if he came on, maybe he could have made a difference. But he didn't in the end. And um, yeah, Mayo won the game. Yeah, and I suppose like what? Where do you think it went right for for Mayo as well though? Because like they were they were like it was a fairly dominant victory. Like I know they won by five points, but like Kerry never led in the game. You know, Mayo scored the opening points. They controlled the game. They were always in front. There were moments in the match where Kerry started to claw their way back into it. Um, but as we were saying, like Mayo were were dominant in terms of their forwards. Like Jack Carney was excellent as well. Like playing in behind the the full forward line, and defensively as well. Like I think the the I'm not too sure who you you backed going into this game, but the main reason why I um, predicted Kerry to win this game was the fact that I looked at it and saw David Clifford, Paddy Clifford, Sean O'Shea, um, 
you know, uh, Tony Brosnan. Like, how how was that Mayo fullback line? The inexperience of that Mayo fullback line going to contain those forwards in the likes of Jack Coyne, David McBride, and Sam Callanan. But in fairness, they were absolutely brilliant. And like, I think Mayo, like, as much as you give the forwards credit, I think you need to give the defenders a lot of credit as well. You definitely would, and it was actually I actually backed me up during the week. I'll just put that in there, and I was probably the only podcaster to say it, so I need to pat myself on the back there. And um, yeah, brilliant. And I also said Aidan O'Shea would get the winning score and a one point victory, but he got man of the match instead. So, well, it's it's close enough, you know, it's close enough uh, to be fair to me. But when you look at the defence, David McBride actually went on uh, Clifford, and when Park O'Hara's name got called out on the tunnel yesterday, I thought instantly O'Hara's going after Clifford. And we're going to go for round two here. But it, it, it actually turned out McBride went on. And it was incredible yeah. to see that in a way. Like, yeah, I mean, Catlin was outstanding. Jack Coyne. I think Dunnick and McHugh both offensively and defensively was superb. I thought uh, Conor Loftus was very good as well. Um, Paddy Dorkin didn't start, which was a pleasant surprise, really. Um, I, I didn't see that coming at all. But but it just showed Mayo had no more options in defensive terms. And you wouldn't have said that about Mayo teams in the last few seasons. So fair play to them for that. And not only defensively as well, the way the players worked for each other. Like in the first half, I was behind them, um, the goal that uh, Kerry were scoring into. And in the first half, who did I see back there defending and doing his donkey work? Aiden O'Shea. You wouldn't have seen that in the past few seasons. And then in the second half, when they were scoring into that particular goal, I didn't, I had to look again because I couldn't believe it. David McBride was actually in the forward line. And I was like, seriously, is that is that number three? And he was, and it was a brilliant, brilliant performance. They worked as a team. They looked fitter than Kerry. I just thought they looked, yeah. you know, fitter all over the field. And maybe the six weeks did their Mayo good. And yeah, it did them good. Various them. And I thought the kickouts for Mayo was a major aspect of them winning the game as well. Like Colin Reap, he can pick out anybody. What an outstanding kick he has. And the midfield Mayo have, I'll say it again, Mayo have probably the best midfield in the country at the moment with Jermaine O'Connor and Matthew Ryan. Both yeah. in, an attack, in an attacking sense, running up the field and feeling the ball, they're absolutely outstanding. And probably the reason Aiton O'Shea got man the match as well was that for that goal for Owen McLaughlin, it was a brilliant finish by McLaughlin, but take it back, Aiton O'Shea was the guy to feel the ball. And Mayo wouldn't have gone anywhere without that catch. He played yeah. it into, I don't I think it was Tommy Conroy, did a bit of 1-2 with Owen McLaughlin, back in the net. And that was finished the game in the end. So I think from 1-15, to 15, Mayo were absolutely outstanding yesterday. And Kevin McStay as well should be given huge credit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Kurt says, uh, looking at Mayo, I'd be very concerned as this is another year Mayo peaking too early, then it will not get it done when it matters because they have a bad habit. Of doing this recently um yeah I, 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 I don't know about that to be honest with you like i think i think the fact that they had a long break like they had that six week break and i think that's that's done them the world of good to be honest with you because they you know they had a few challenge matches i think they played tyrone maybe another team as well in a, in a challenge match so like they were bang up for it uh coming into this they looked sharper they looked fitter as you said like you know may, maybe kerry went too strong against claire like because kerry looked a lot sharper and fitter um, in that match than they did in, in, in this game, in fairness. Um, Rommel says here, Mayo fans didn't uh, travel, they couldn't find accommodation due to the government filling Killarney with uh, illegal economic migrants. GA attendants are failing due, uh, due to their policies. Yeah, I wouldn't know uh, really about all of that, to be honest with you, but um, I'd imagine the, 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 the ticket prices, or sorry, the, the hotel prices, the hotel prices have gone up 
all across the the country um in fairness um so maybe maybe but but it was an early it was an early game like was that what three o'clock was the was the kick was was the, was the throw in so you know there would have been enough time I'd imagine for Mayo fans still to, to make a home albeit it is it is a long journey in fairness uh, to do and obviously your stubs don't really have to make too many journeys so it's probably coming a bit rich uh, coming from me to Kerry goal uh, the Kerry team are the most overhyped team I have seen the only they only beat a not so great Dublin team in the last kick of the game. It's an interesting point. I mean, it might sound a bit harsh, but when you actually look at it, they beat they beat Dublin, who didn't have Conor Callaghan, didn't have Paul Mannion um, that day, didn't have Jack McCaffrey, didn't have Cluxton. Like it was a Dublin team that played very poorly on the day as well, in my opinion. Somehow dragged themselves back into the game with the goal from from Cormac Costello. Um, they had to beat Mayo in the quarterfinals when Mayo weren't at the races at all last year, and the Galway side, for as good as they are, they're. They were. They felt more like an up and coming team last year. Their first time playing in an All Ireland final, I think, since two thousand one. So, like, is there is there anything behind that? Like, it, did we maybe buy too much into the Kerry hype last season? Maybe so. When you think about, because you look at their run to the final last year, obviously Munster was a write off. In the quarterfinal against Mayo, they were facing a Mayo team that uh, had injury problems, and you look back at that and think, yeah, there, that's uh, kind of true there. And against Dublin, I thought Dublin nearly deserved to win it. Like the game went on for another five minutes. I think Dublin would have won the game. Simple mm. as. And um, and against Galway, let's not forget, Galway were ahead at halftime. And Kerry needed a miraculous performance, especially from the uh, the man inside, David Clifford, to pull it out of the bag in the end. And you know, it's an interesting point, actually. And um, someone has brought this point up to me as well. Jack O'Connor doesn't do two in a row. When you look at the history of uh, Kerry J over the last few seasons, when you look at his last all Ireland victory in 2009, they went out the next year against Down and lost somehow in Crow Park in 2010. How that happened to this day, I don't know. I really don't know. You look at the, the history of Kerry Dowd, the recent history between the two, and you would you would have thought someone would have been crazy to say that result. But it did happen. And Kerry were out of the all Ireland contention then too. So... Yeah, I think Kerry are a bit, bit overhyped as well. Like, you look at even their scores yesterday, Clifford did the majority of it. And I think Kerry had to work harder for the scores rather than Mayo. Like, Mayo were picking off some beautiful scores yesterday. And it was almost effortless, effortless at times. But when you look at Kerry, Clifford basically carried them. Like, he took about, I think it was three, four shots near the 45 meter line. Some ridiculous angles, but of course Clifford's going to kick them over because he's that caliber of a footballer, and you don't know how he does it at times. But the other players, this is my point earlier. The other players for Kerry are not stepping up right now. Like Sean O'Shea, fair enough, he does in some games. But you look at Paul Ganey, you look at um at Tony Brosnan, who didn't score at all uh, yesterday, which is yeah. unthinkable. Um Stephen O'Brien on the bench isn't really getting a look in. Right now, like their midfielders aren't as, as prolific as the Mayo midfielders, for example, in Dermot O'Connor or Jack Barry. I don't think they're actually that good. So, I, in terms of the All Ireland, I don't think Kerry will win it this year. I think Kerry fans should be incredibly worried about it. In, her, in terms of getting out of the group, I think they should be much better than Cork and Lowe, let's be completely honest here. But, but for the All Ireland, I don't think they're they're good enough this season. And um, yeah, it might be a tough fact for uh, Kerry fans to accept, but it is a fact. Yeah, because even the, the bench as well, as you said, like they brought Adrian Spillane, Brian O'Bugluck, 
Rory Murphy and Stephen O'Brien on, and none of them scored. And I remember Rory Murphy had a, a, a an effort that went wide. Stephen O'Brien had one that went wide late on. Like it's mad because we used to associate Kerry with a team that had a very good panel. Like they had the likes of, um, you know, uh, Killian Splann would come off the bench. Adrian Splann. You were thinking maybe someone like Paul O'Shea or um, Paul Walsh will maybe get in the panel and, and make an impact coming off the bench. But those lads don't seem to be uh, in the panel and. For whatever reason, like yeah, Kerry just don't seem to be getting enough sort of from from the rest of their forwards. Like Paul Gainey's obviously been around, you know, quite quite a while now. He scored three points, and to be fair, I don't think he had a bad game. In fairness, but aside from him, and obviously David Clifford, who had an exceptional game, like Sean O'Shea was fairly anonymous for large parts, and like yeah, like I, I don't know if Kerry's panel is is all that um, compared to the likes of Mayo, Dublin. You know, I know Dublin have been very inconsistent in terms of performances, but you look at the panel of players that they have, you would have to say it's stronger than than Kerry's panel. You would definitely think so. I, I was even looking at the benches yesterday and looking at the two of them at halftime particularly, and I was thinking, may I have a better bench here? Paddy York and Stephen Cohen were named on the bench yesterday because they were, um, you know, late changes. You know, Paul Gohor was initially named on the bench yesterday. Tommy Conroy was there. Jason Doherty. These are brilliant uh, footballers. Like you look at Paul Towie as well. Paul Towie didn't even get a minute on the pitch yesterday either. So yeah. I think Mayo have a much, much better uh, panel, much better bench than Kerry do at this particular moment in time. And I just wonder, I, I think one of your comments said this as well. This might be a bit overhyped from Kerry. You just think, like, take Clifford out of it. If it, you just take David Clifford out here, I think of Kerry are very, very ordinary. Very ordinary. And even when you look at I know people point towards, and I think you pointed towards as well yourself in previous videos, on why Kerry could be successful is their minor success five in a row. But when you look at their minor success, particularly in 2017, for example, David Clifford scored most of their scoring, for example. Like if David Clifford wasn't on the pitch in the Munster Championship against Cork, Cork would have beaten. This was a Cork team with Carl Amani, Mark Keane, all them players. They would have beaten Kerry. There wasn't much in the Kerry team other than David Clifford. And even in the games against, um, say, Derry in the previous, in the next few rounds in the All-Ireland series, Kerry would have struggled without David Clifford's influence. He's just a freak of a footballer. If you take mm. him out, I think Kerry are very, very ordinary. It might be an unpopular opinion, but I think I'd agree with your commenter there. I think Kerry are beat, beat too overrated after their win last year. And I think David Clifford is a, is a brilliant, brilliant footballer. Mm. But there isn't brilliant, brilliant footballers around him, so that's a worrying sign for Gary. Yeah, like, and I think the likes of Sean O'Shea, like we we know how good he is. In fairness, like, and if you'd expect him to, to click into gear in the later later parts of the all of the All Ireland series, and even the likes of Tom O'Sullivan, Gavin White, these lads, like they do have a lot of great players other than Clifford. But I feel like a lot of them maybe haven't performed, and and maybe some of the fringe players. Um, haven't really been able to to make an impact for Kerry as well. Um, Tom says. The Rossi's game was not a fair reflection on us. It was a week after winning the league title. Come on, that's not right. Yeah, probably, you know, and I, and I think it showed. Like, I think Mayo probably had, you know, a lot of intense games, one after one after another. And, you know, you could argue, like, if there's probably not much, um, you know, because you look at Galway playing a lot of matches and, and obviously winning the Connacht Championship, like, it's probably nearly better to actually not um, win, win the Connacht Championship, possibly. Like, if Mayo do go on to do something special later on uh, in the year. The other game, uh, I suppose, from the, the group stages was Galway, 16 points, Tyrone, 13 points. 
Tyrone obviously played with 14 men for the majority of the match after uh, Frank Burns was sent off. Um, good win for Galway. I mean, not a great game, to be honest with you. Conditions were very tough, obviously, in Pierce Stadium. Um, I thought Tyrone actually played well, considering they were down for 14 men. Um, they were down to 13 men, actually, at one stage after Noel Morgan got black-carded. And Peter Hart was even playing in goal. So, like, like not, not the worst result in, in the end for Tyrone. Like, I thought they played well, but Galway... Galway just done what they've done all year long. Is They just keep grinding out wins, even when it's not the most entertaining. Yeah, exactly. And I think Power Choice mentioned it in the post-match interview. Galway were very, very poor yesterday off-colour. But the main thing is about Galway, they still won it. They still won mm. the game with playing poorly. And that's a positive sign for them, but largely down to the red card for uh, Frank Burns. Look, it's a topic of a discussion for up and down the country in both with hurling and football, uh, the head high challenge. Um, they don't seem to be given in hurling, for example, but they're given in football. And I, I, we go back to referees and stuff like that, but we need a bit of consistency at the same time. Like, if Ronan Marr doesn't get sent off against Cork a few weeks ago, why is this a red card? You know, it's it's kind of... It's very, very inconsistent uh, from referees both goals over the last few weeks. And uh, even the Doyle Morgan um, uh, um, black card as well for complaining. And then the Godwin players, uh, I think Shane Walsh was one of them, Comer or maybe another, was complaining after the Frank, before the Frank Burns red card as well. So why didn't they get shown the line? Yeah. You know, it's, it's very, very poor, I think. Very poor officiating from um, from um, in in regards to Toronto's point of view, but for Galway, look, it's a win. They'll get out of it. Um, they, they didn't perform well yesterday in poor conditions, but look, it's the all Ireland group stage. They've Westmead in the next few weeks, and despite the fact that David Brady said Westmead might make it out against Armagh Toronto, which I found a bit comical, to be honest with you, Aaron. Um, no, I, I, th- I think they should be fine. I think Galway, Toronto should be fine anyway. And um, look, it's the same for Mayo and Kerry, really. It's about building momentum in these games. The fact that there's the safety net of only four teams being knocked out, that's the big thing. There was more onus on the next two games we're going to discuss the yard than these games. And a lot of people said that during the week as well. So, look, I think Tyrone, Galway, they'd be relatively happy, but I think the main thing was the conditions and um, the decisions, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. I think so. Like, And as you said, like, I mean, I know Westmead caused the... A major shock in, in hurling and beating Wexford. Um, and I think David Brady would have been laughed out the gate even more if he had predicted that. So you never know in sport, you never know in football and hurling sometimes. But I think it would be it would be one shock too many for the Westmead men, I think, if they were to take any points off of uh, Armagh or Tyrone, um, in fairness. But yeah, I suppose moving on then, we'd Sligo 14 points, Kildare 14 points. Um, a game that went, I suppose, neck and neck throughout, um, could have. Could have went either way, go down the home stretch. And um, for Kildare, massively disappointing result for them. I mean, like, I suppose after the performance that they gave versus Dublin and how well they played against Dublin, you would have expected Kildare to go away to Markovic Park and, and get the victory. But apparently it was too familiar for Sligo. Um, they're, they're too used to playing there. The, the home ground favours them massively. And that's the reason why Kildare haven't won this one. <laughs> I just, I just have to throw it in there. Jeez, <laughs> oh, like you had to say that. You really had. We wouldn't be a GA fan TV podcast without you snagging off Kildare for him. Um, I don't, I don't you know, think I'll be allowed into Kildare at this point. I think I'm, you know, if I'm ever around Minute or any of these areas, I think I might have to. I don't know where Balaclava or something. 
But at the same time, yeah, like it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant um, analogy to be honest with you. Um, like yeah, the seats were probably too rocky for the Kildare bench players as well, and um, they didn't get the result. That was why. Uh, but um, all jokes aside, uh, look, in fairness, like I seen Patrick Sharkey predicted a draw on your podcast. Fair play to Patrick. Yeah, very good prediction. Jesus, like I feel like he's getting better at predictions though. Fair play yeah, to Patrick. Yeah. I, I, I think what he does is he comes out. He comes out with one mad prediction every. Like he comes out with loads of mad predictions, and one of them every year comes true. So he's he's <laughs> he's got that one ticked off now anyway. So yeah, and uh, even madder actually, Jason predicted on my podcast that Sligo would win the game, and I was like, what? I I, I thought Jesus, like you know what? It's that's mad. You know, I thought Sligo would go up to Kildare like they did today, but I just thought Kildare. This was a big opportunity for them. To win today, and like you look at the next few weeks, they've Ross Common in Dublin, and if they get a few tankings off them and Sligo manage to stay in the game, which they will do over the next few weeks, Sligo could find themselves in the preliminary quarterfinal, and Kildare will be yeah. absolutely kicking the balls. After all the comments about um, um, you know Dublin and Crow Park, you know I think I like Kildare as a country. I I do like them. I like Johnny Doyle. I like Dorbert already, especially that team in a way it was a legendary team in my books. But the way Glenn Ryan conducted himself after that Dublin game, you'd be kind of, the whole country would be just kind of laughing at him, to be honest with you. You know, and um, even, like I know um, people criticise Dublin, but that was just a remarkably bonkers uh, opinion, to be honest with you. But look, they couldn't even beat Sligo today, so that's their level. That's their level kill there. And um, yeah, it was a poor result for them. But for Sligo, what a result for them. In fairness to yeah. them, like, um, like they, this was their second game this season against the top two division side, and they got the draw. So fair play to Sligo for that. And Sligo, there was a lot of uh, commentary about them saying that the Tartan Cup would have been better for them. But it turns out it is a good competition for them because the players are going to be improving. The under-20s are excelling. The schools are excelling. The minors are excelling. So Sligo football's on the up. And if Tony McAdee stays on as manager as well for next the next few seasons... I'm telling you, the cycle of football is on the up, and this was um, another uh, step in the right direction today. Absolutely, yeah. And no, it was a huge, huge result for, for Sligo, in fairness. And Noel Murphy scoring six points, Sean Carabine with four. Um, seeing Pat Spillane Jr. wasn't, uh, he didn't come on until the final 20 minutes. Um, so, yeah, very impressive stuff from a, from a Sligo perspective. And again, I think it shows that they are closing the gap a little bit on some of the teams above them, um, in, in my opinion. And yeah, like I mean, because like when you look at Sligo, like they're probably better set up as a defensive team, especially with their manager Tony McEntee having sort of um, set up that system. You know, obviously ex Cross McGlen player and everything else. Um, so would you think like Sligo? Like I think it goes without saying that we'd fancy Dublin or Roscommon to both be Sligo and Kildare. Um, and it kind of it's it's a bit bizarre, isn't it? That like no, there's going to be a scenario where one of these teams progresses without winning a game, possibly. Um, in, in in the group, which is a little bit bizarre, but like you'd fancy Sligo maybe to be a little bit better in, in those two games. Although Kildare did compete well against Dublin, and with the fact that that game's in a neutral stadium, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll put it up to us this time, <laughs> or maybe beat us this time. Who knows? Or maybe the grass will be too long. You know, so um, you know you don't know with Kildare. They might like if they lose to Dublin, they might make up an excuse saying. Oh, this is a hurling round. This was suited for hurling. So, how could we win today? You know, it's it's incredible the the excuses 
Like Kildare will uh, come up with, but um, they have to go out and perform against Dublin now. There's no point in crying or anything like that. They have to go and beat them. They had two chances in Crow Park to beat them. Not one, but two chances, big chances to beat them. They didn't do so. So this is the chance to do it. And um, we'll see if they can do it in the next few weeks. They play Roscommon away from home in the height. I don't expect them to win that. Um, Sligo won't win against Roscommon or Dublin either. But I definitely agree with you that Sligo will probably have a lesser losing margin because Sligo are kind of team that will sit back and will try and frustrate the living daylights of Roscommon and Dublin rather than Kildare. Who, but Kildare are a team that could go man on man and get destroyed. You know, you don't know with Kildare what will happen with them in the next few weeks. But it is kind of bizarre and a, and a side note that one of these sides having not won a game will progress to the preliminary quarterfinal they'd probably just make a mockery out of the thing if if, if you know what I mean Aaron but look hmm. that's the champion we live in unfortunately absolutely absolutely yeah like and and yeah like congratulations to, to Sligo obviously for, for getting that uh, draw I think David Quinn scored the the late points, um, and yeah, for a Kildare perspective, like it's just like, like is is the reality really that Kildare just at the level now of sort of because like when you look at Sligo, obviously promoted to Division Three, you'd imagine Sligo would be good enough to stay in Division Three, and Kildare were nearly in the were nearly relegated to Division Three at some point. So is that just like are, are these two sides maybe like maybe this isn't a, a big shock? Like maybe both of these two sides are are at a similar level. Maybe so, like Kildare. Kildare struggled in Division 2, so you could arguably say that both leagues are Division 3 standard, if, if you want to say it that way as well. So, like, both, both of these leagues are probably level. Like, Sligo are only in Division 4, let's be honest, because of the past few seasons, regimes and stuff like that. Not particularly last season, because like, Tipperary had a bit of a proper patch, and Cavan, obviously, Cavan are too good for Division 4 in general, and Sligo just couldn't compete with them last season. And they didn't get over the line. But this season, they got over the line eventually. But that's because the likes of Noel Murphy have come back to the team. The likes of Paddy O'Connor, the likes of Pat Bland Jr. has been a great addition. Um, you have younger players coming through as well, like the under-20s from last season. Luke Marin would be another player that's coming next season. Probably Dylan Walsh and uh, probably Callis Mulligan and a few others as well from the under-20s. So Sligo football is on the up. And it won't be, it'll be only a matter of time before they catch up with Kildare on current form. But I stress that on current form because Kildare's under-20s are going very well at the moment. And you have to feel they're going to win a Leinster title sooner rather than later. If they don't, it's no, it's no, you can't make excuses for that, to be honest. But you, with all the under-20 talent come through, Kildare should be winning under-20 in the next few seasons or so. But yeah, I think right now they're probably, probably on similar paths. But like Kildare have more to kick on in the next few seasons, especially after winning two under-20s in the last uh, six years. Absolutely, absolutely. I suppose moving on to the last game to discuss from the, the All-Ireland Championship, clear nine points, Donegal 14 points. Huge result there for Donegal. Obviously their first win of the season since the opening day of the league when they obviously beat Kerry. Um, from what I was hearing online, that Clare missed a lot of chances, a lot of opportunities. They led at half-time. Um, but in fairness to Donegal, like they rallied late on. Kieran Thompson, Kayla McGonagall, Ushin Gallon all getting on the score sheet late on. I think Donegal outscored Clare, I think six points to two in the final 10 minutes um, to, to go on and win the game. So big result for, for Donegal. Um, I suppose it will take some pressure off the back of uh, Aidan O'Rourke and it will certainly, I suppose, ease the pressure of some of the players. But big win for, for Donegal and I suppose for Clare, it'll be very tough for them now to, to get out of this group. 
It would do, yeah. Like, yeah, Clare really had to win this game, especially at home against a Donegal team that didn't win since January. It's kind of one that uh, was kind of flushed away for Clare, unfortunately, um, especially being 6-3 up at halftime. But you have to give... I know Donegal have been terrible this season in um, games other than this, and we've criticised them on this channel, on my own podcast, and they've been terrible, really, in a few games. But 11 points from playing in the second half to turn this around, and that's an incredible statistic from them. Fair play to Donegal for doing that. Oshin Gallon turning up. Kieran Thompson, very good performance as well. Uh, Hugh McFadden had a very good... Even though there was a decision in the game that was quite controversial. Again, we talk about the head-high challenge. Why Frank Burns was sent off for Tyrone and then Hugh McFadden wasn't sent off in this game? I, I don't know why, to be honest with you. And we go back to consistency and all that. That's a big thing um, amongst the GA at the moment. But fair play to Donegal for winning it. And for Clare, like, it's interesting because Seamus Brady and um, Payon GA actually uh, made the comments the Clare would be better than the Saltine Cup. We got a fair bit of flack off uh, Clare fans for that. But yeah. I'd, I'd actually say, you know, would they have been better off in the Saltine Cup this season? Because, like, Colin Collins, realistically, I don't know what the contract situation is now, but he realistically might leave this season, if not this season, next season. For him not to win a trophy with Clare, not even a league, league title, well, he won a Division three title, but still, like, it's not much really... But not to win a national trophy of significance for that group of players, you know, it's it's sad, really. And I think that's the point that Seamus was trying to put across. And it's realistically now clear going to be out of the All Ireland because they're not beating Man in the Clonus with that performance, particularly against Donegal, they're not. Um, and against Derry, probably not either. And what I said in my podcast during the week was that if Clare actually, you know, got their shooting efficiency up, unlike the Cork and Kerry games, they go on and win the game. But by the match reports and what you were saying there, they didn't. And that was the difference between the two sides. And maybe that's why Clare aren't up there with the likes of um, a Donegal, a Kerry, um, a Monaghan or a Derry. That's particularly why. Because they can't take opportunities at um, um, brilliant moments in the game. Like Clare had better players than Donegal. We were seeing loads of podcasts during the week. Clare, actually, player for player, better players than Donegal do have right now. And that was a big mm-hmm. chance to beat they didn't do it at home as well. So you'd have to question, would they have been better off the Tartan Cup after all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I think it's a fair point and I, I would agree with Jay as well. Like, I think, I think, yeah, like, obviously, obviously the clear team and the footballers and players and everything else, they want to beat Cork. They want to prove that they are all on level and fairness. I think they've done enough in Division 2 in the last couple of years and they've competed well against some of the top teams to, to, to show that they are, you know, they are good enough to play at this level, in my opinion. Um, but I think the point is more so that if they were in the Talchin Cup, they they would they would probably you know they'd be one of the favourites to win it in my opinion, um, if not the favourites. Um, and I think could you imagine a situation where you know the Clare Hurlers are playing in an All Ireland semi final and maybe you have it as a double header with the Talchin Cup, um, depending on you know what what obviously you want to make sure um, all, all fans be able to attend. But I think it would be I think it would be definitely be a great occasion and great exposure in my opinion. For uh, for Clare football, um, I suppose we'll have a look at some uh, Talchin Cup results. So uh, what I'll do is I'll just uh, share my screen here, just so we can actually have a look at some of the uh, results from the weekend and some of the talking points from uh, some Talchin Cup games. So as we can see there, it was a good win for me, beating Waterford three seventeen to uh, to one fourteen. Only nine points though against 
a team like Waterford, you, you probably would have imagined Mead would have beaten them by, by more, but fair play to Waterford for actually competing quite well. And then it was down to 18, Tipperary six, six points. I mean, yeah, like t- t- Tipperary football, unfortunately, has regressed massively over the last couple of years. Um, two results we expected, like any thoughts there? I mean, grim viewing for, for Tip fans, I'd imagine. And for any Tip fans who were at that game, I'd, I'd say probably the majority of them left early. They probably did. Well, they couldn't leave early because the hurling was after that. So oh, it was actually, was probably, it? Yeah. yeah, they probably arrived. Um, they probably arrived late. Probably, you know, last minute. They were like, "Oh, the footballers are losing. What's the mm. point?" You know. Um, but no disrespect to the Tipperary footballers, but they've gone, they've gone way back, way back over the last few seasons. And I actually predicted Waterford would beat them in Munster. You know what? In the podcast in the next few weeks, I actually might predict it again. See what happens. You know, we'll see. We'll see if um if they do beat them this time. But um to get third place in the group, let's not forget. So, yeah, it's um, a disappointing defeat for Tipperary Down or just on a completely different level. Um, enough said about that game. The better. Uh, Watford against Mead. Apparently, Watford missed a load of chances in this game to capitalise on Mead. And yeah, like if Mead are going to be this close to Watford, no disrespect to Watford. No, I know if he sure is doing a brilliant job there. But if Mead are not going to trounce Watford. Um, it, unlike what they did on uh, Saturday night, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the Tajik Cup if I'm on a Saturn. And um, yeah, it's a worrying sign for Conor Rourke and uh, his players over the next few weeks. And um, yeah, I think he's a great speaker, Conor Rourke, for um, speaking up to Don Lowe particularly, but as a yeah. manager, maybe not so. Yeah, yeah. And like I was hearing that Mead had a hugely changed side, like even looking at some of the names there, like Aaron Lynch. Um, Owen Frayne, these lads, like not familiar names. So I think there was a lot of changes in the Mead side. But as you said, like, yeah, like it wasn't, you know, but but again, it's one of them where Mead, Mead are probably just trying to save themselves for, for the down game and some other matches in fairness. Um, and this game was probably always a formality uh, in fairness. I suppose looking at some of the, looking at the games from uh, group, I think I skipped group one by accident there for some reason, but we'll, we'll come back to group one. Uh, London 2-6, Cavan 18 points, comfortable result there from uh from a cavern perspective and leash 111 awfully 111 i mean leash getting themselves a, a draw there against awfully which yeah was a little bit of a surprise considering leash languishing around you know mid-table in division four and awfully you know very close to getting to a leinster final so maybe a slight surprise result there maybe so if if people didn't watch the leash and cavern game last week but uh, thankfully i did watch the game last week and i thought leash were superb I thought they were in the first half. I thought they were, yeah. you know, they have players there, Mark Barry, Kieran Lillis, um, Evan O'Carroll are excellent, excellent footballers. And Leash looks like they deserve to win here. Um, very, very uh, good, res- or deserve to draw rather. Very, very good um, result for them. But awfully, all's not lost. Like they, they probably get third in the group, second in the group, let's be honest here. Or even third, best place, third place side. So it is all doom and gloom. As for Cavan, I think London were actually close in the first half, but other than that, looking at Scorpio anyway, but other than that, Cavan were comfortable winners in the game and London will be targeting Leash next week, but at the same time, that's going to be a difficult game for uh, London. It's on in the neutral venue, so who knows where that'll be on the sea. <laughs> yeah, who knows, who knows. Maybe play it at Anfield or, or something, of, uh, something of that nature, or, or maybe, I actually don't know. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be very interesting. I don't think there is a, a neutral ground that won't, uh, that won't favour leash uh in fairness um but uh but there we go i suppose moving on to group three uh big result there for limerick uh back-to-back wins for them now so it seems like they've brushed the cobwebs off 
from uh, from earlier in the year. As you see there, one nineteen to fourteen points. James Nocton with uh, with seven points. Paul Maher on the on the goal sheet as well, and you can see a, a whole list of uh, of other scores there from a Limerick perspective. And uh, big result here for Longford beating Wicklow three seventeen to two nine. When you think Wicklow coming up from Division Four, Longford going down to Division Three. Um, I did have a few Longford fans on to me who were saying. We might have got beat by Limerick last week, but we actually played quite well. We actually competed very, very well. And a lot of Longford fans are actually quite uh, confident going into this game. So a uh, big result. And maybe Paddy Christie is is finally getting a tune out of Longford. And um, big, big win this. Huge win. And um, it's, like, it, it's kind of baffling how weak though have, um, have fallen really in the last few weeks. Like We were talking about them in the Division 4 final as being probably a team to watch in the Tatching Cup. But... Um, but yeah, it was a damning result for Wicklow. And it's amazing, actually, how one result can derail a county season. Like, you look at the Carlow game last week, Wicklow conceding, I think it was five points of the bounce in the last few minutes. That was a deflating defeat. And then to lose to Longford like they did. Longford had good players, there's no doubt about that. And Paddy Christie is a good coach. But um, but that's a difficult defeat to take for Wicklow there. But as for Limerick, yeah, the Limerick footballers, they're going to win the Tantic Cup. But you're, well, yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do. Like I hope Limerick win the Tantian Cup. But um we we'll see what happens. Like they have a good team at the moment. They probably have a team similar enough levels to maybe division two, division three bouncing around them, them kind of place aside. So like there's every possibility that Limerick could win the Tantian Cup this season if they have the belief there. So yeah, I think Limerick after um uh, Ray Dempsey left have actually been on decent enough form in terms of performances. Yeah, no, they definitely have like back-to-back wins, and definitely seems to be a bit more togetherness in the in, in the Limerick group, which is good to see. And as you said there about Wicklow, like surprise defeat, and that's actually them out of the the Dalton Cup as well because they're head-to-head with Longford and Carlow, um, is obviously gone, and they obviously can't catch Limerick either. And Longford and Carlow are playing each other on the final day, so it will be impossible for for Wicklow to finish um above fourth, um. Last uh, couple of games to run through here. Uh, Wexford, 14 points. Antrim, 215. Big win for Antrim. That's them all but secure now in terms of finishing in the top two. And then Leitrim uh, getting beat by Fermanagh, uh, 119 to 27. You can see the scores on the screen there. Ryan Lyons with 1-5 there for Fermanagh. Quite an, an impressive uh, tally from him. And Sean Quigley with... Uh, Apologies there, folks. I really, I really need to get on to someone about this internet. Um, but we're we're on my phone here, unfortunately. So we we we've gone completely rogue. Uh, definitely need to get on to air at this stage. I don't know what is going on. Um, like the, the internet never goes in in here, but for some reason it seems to keep going. Um, when uh when we when, when I'm doing these streams, I don't know if someone's trying to hack in or something. But yeah, as I was saying there, like Antrim, big win for them. They're motoring well under under Andy McEntee, in fairness and. Good, good win for Fermanagh. 
very good win for Fermanagh, yeah. And I thought it'd be a tough game for them uh, against Leitrim, but uh, Leitrim, they seem to be on the down, unfortunately, after um, losing to New York. Like, one results again, like Wicklow, how can they rail your season? And Leitrim, it seems that way at the end. But, um, yeah, it was a good win for Antrim, actually, uh, against Wexford. And for the second week running, I actually predicted against Antrim. So, that's come uh, with ache in my face again. But, um, yeah, they might be, Fermanagh might beat them in the last game, so it's, it's all good. But, like at the moment of the Tati Cup, you have, I think it's Cavan, Down, uh, Limerick, and Antrim already through to the quarterfinals. So, like, it's a decent enough group there. If you disregard Antrim, like, you look at Limerick, Down, and Cavan, you'd have to say they're the three favourites to win the Tati Cup this season. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, a huge, huge uh, win nonetheless for, for Antrim and for, for Mana as well. I suppose, in terms of player of the week and, and moment of the week, what are we thinking? Player of the week, I'd probably probably go Matthew Moran for Mayo. I thought he was superb in midfield, uh, feeding the ball, uh, driving up the field. I thought he was superb in um, for Mayo. I thought Aidan O'Shea was very good as well in Ryan O'Donoghue. So basically any of the Mayo team, but I'll give it to Matthew Moran. And moments of the week, it's very slim pickings, to be honest with you. Um, I'd have to probably go Donegal for winning their first game since January. I know Donegal are a Division 1 team by trade, but it was still a very good victory and an important one for uh, the men up north. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like I think, yeah, I think, think, think in terms of moment of the week, yeah, Antrim's win was obviously huge. I think Mayo turning over Kerry, like, is a, was a huge moment as well. I think player player of the week for me definitely has to be Aidan O'Shea. I thought he was absolutely uh, outstanding in fairness. Um, but yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this up here before my internet decides to completely cut out again. Um, definitely getting on to air now. I think I think enough is enough now. I've had enough. I'm making a stand. So, uh, but yeah, Matthew, cheers very much for coming on. And uh, yeah, thanks to anyone who tuned in. We recently hit 4,000 subscribers as well. So great, uh, great milestone. So uh, yeah, very much appreciate anyone who's been uh, tuning into the show. And um, yeah, if you could hit the like button and subscribe, make sure to check out Matthew's podcast as well, the GA Statsman podcast. Uh, make sure to check that out as well. And um, yeah, cheers, Matthew, for coming on and cheers, anyone who tuned in. Thanks, everyone.